In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. How different is it going to be now that Aaron Rodgers is somewhere else? Uh, I wish he played one more year with uh, Green Bay, honestly. Uh, <clears throat> we went up there, and uh, we, played a, we played a pretty good game, you know. But uh, they got away from us at the end, obviously, and uh, they won. But their fans are really shitty. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to go back up there, and I wanted to play them, and I wanted to beat them, and I wanted him to be there so you can see it. Follow-up question I never thought I'd ask you. Which ways are they Man, like, <laughs> I mean, man, like just just the way that they're just freaking obnoxious, just yelling and all that other stuff about things that don't even matter. Like we're not even running, we're not even running the play. You guys are talking about boo, oh yeah, go green. Like what, what are you even talking? He hasn't even started yet. Like what are we talking about here? Like you know y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, half of them don't even know football. It's it's, it's, it's so weird to me. Oh, that was interesting yesterday. A little Bears on Packers crime. Now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, the rivalry will continue. The rivalry has always been there. It always will be there. One of the oldest rivalries in sport. And Justin Jones calling Packers fans shitty. Bleeped it for him. Can't bleep it for us. And this is our last day together for a while, maybe forever. Who knows? That's right. how the dominoes are going to fall. Let's go ahead and drop it. Hey. Joe Scarborough was saying it today. Yeah. I already sent you the clip of that (laughs) against the objections of his wife. He still said it. So what the hell? Let's get it started. All right. Let's see. Let's see how many swear words we can get in on this last show of the year. year. Let's let's go out with a bang. All right. But uh, Kristen says no. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, I mean, yeah. Justin Jones, he's talking about it. I, I don't know. I've been up to Green Bay a few times. I did not find their fans to be. The the most obnoxious are crazy, right? What, what I always find funny about comments like that, right, where, where I, I want to be like, hey, Justin, you know, you're a good player. I get that. But what do you think your Bear fans are saying to the opposing team on the other sideline at your home games? Because uh, they're not exactly the nicest crowd ever. In fact, hmm, the same Bears crowd that made me cry when I was seven years old. Yeah, they're real nice guys, too. <laughs> I never have thought of Packers fans as among the ones that you need to be no, the most right. concerned about. I'm with you. Eagles fans, first and foremost. Right. Right? Right. I mean, and, and I think they take pride in that. They they relish that. They, they do. They that like status it. that if you're rooting for the visiting team, you take your life into your own hands. I like that. Not literally, but I, close yeah. to it, right? <laughs> yeah, close to it. When they're throwing full beer, beer cans at your head and you're a 49ers fan as you're walking in the stadium, I would say, yeah, that's close to it. Uh, there's, it's. I would say they're number one, right? Then, then the question becomes, what's the most hostile environment after that, right? And I think that's probably debatable, and that's where we could probably get into some well, good well, discussions. Yeah. I think the the – 49ers fans have a history of violence. They do. When it comes to yes. opposing 
team's fans. Right. And, you know, that, that, that in the and, and among each other, I think, too, there were incidents in bathrooms where guys get into fights. They got to the point where the Raiders and the 49ers couldn't, couldn't play, play in the preseason right. anymore because it was constant fighting, and that's Raiders fans' part of that as well. But, yeah. You, th- that's kind of a low-key hostile environment because it's supposed to be chill and laid back on the West Coast, but there's nothing laid back about 49ers fans when they get riled up. No, definitely not. Of course, you know, when the Raiders were in Oakland, you're right, that that was probably the spot that you would compare. That was the AFC version of Philadelphia, right? But I, I don't know. I don't know what the current, you know, status is of the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, uh, parking lot and what they what, what that crowd is. I'm sure it's uh, uh, still a lot of the same attitude. It's as intimidating as the old Coliseum used to be when the bus would ride in there and, you know, there'd be loud music playing and people dressed in weird, crazy clothes and cooking food. And you could tell they were already drunk and they were giving you the middle finger and telling you F you as you were you're not even off the bus yet. They were That was awesome. So I don't know. That, it's a good question, Mike, right now. Who is number two? What, what, what is that fan base or parking lot that's brutal? And I have forgotten that Randy Moss, when he fake-mooned the Packers crowd during the playoff game in January of 2005, right. he explained that they moon the Vikings bus on the way in. So I think Packers fans, some, have a certain amount of animosity toward their traditional rivals. Although Pete Demolitis says he was at the 2007 Giants-Packers NFC Championship game. That was the last Brett Favre game. That was right. the one where Favre threw the interception in overtime that set up the Giants' win. And Pete says they were the nicest fans he's ever met in his life. They kept <laughs> thanking us for coming to visit their stadium. Right. Wow. Yeah. That that that's a little that's a little over the top. I'm sure are, are you sure that wasn't like passive aggressive? Like, gee, thanks a lot for coming to visit our stadium. No, it's a, that's kind of the, the what you hear about that that fan base, right? I, I I've heard this uh, similar sentiments, right? I, I knew a lot of people that were up at that same game. Pete was talking about the like greatest experience they ever had, and I you know us from New York, Pete from you know Long Island, and you know me, we're not used to that. I mean, what you go to a Jets or Giants, Jets or Giants fan, and, and go to those games, you know, it, it's 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 not the most cordial crowd either, right? At, at times, so yeah, that could be a little shocking for a guy from the Northeast to go out there and see that. Pete says they gave him hand warmers. I wonder what they were laced with. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the other thing too. He's still alive sixteen years later, so it, it must not have been all that bad. All right, so. So what was the worst fan base you ever encountered in your playing day? Yeah, I think, I I mean, that to me, the Eagles and the Raiders were the ones that jumped out to where, like, when you went in the parking lot, it just felt different. The bus going through the parking lot, it felt like the cops had to do a little more work to push people out of the way because they were like, ah, F you, cop. We know you're escorting the, you know, the other team in here right now. And, yeah, that seemed to be the most animated. Those certainly jump out to to the biggest extent. Um, And then after that, that's where it gets debatable. That's where it's, you know, Jets fans certainly were were ready to go, in my experience there. The Patriots fans were awesome and brutal. You know, I never saw them throw stuff. But you talk about the wittiest, smartest, just like just throwing zingers at you all game at New England might have took take the cake uh, in that department, Mike. 
How did it compare to college, like when you would play at Oklahoma as a member of the Texas Longhorns? Was it nastier there, or was it worse in the NFL? I think it was worse. Well, in in the NFL, it depends on the stadiums, right? And and for most part in college, especially back then, there wasn't a ton of stadiums where the fans were like right on top of you. You know, Nebraska would have been like Green Bay. They were on top of you, but they were nice, right? So the Oklahoma fans, of course, they would give it to me pretty damn hard when we would play in the, you know, the, the, uh, our game in Dallas every year, the, 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 the Lone Star, you know, showdown or whatever they call it now. Uh, but Red River shootout. Red River shootout. Red River yeah, shootout. whatever the hell it is. Yeah, it they was, changed the name. Exactly. The that's Red where River I was shootout. checking out. I was like, I can't say shootout on TV. I, that's where we've gotten in the world. I'm like, oh no. Did I, they really I, change the name of it? I think I so. I don't know. It's just always. I oh, think they oh, did. Sorry. I think they took out the shootout part and called it the showdown now. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm getting too sensitive myself. But uh, yeah, I think the NFL was a little bit. Um, or maybe, or maybe you've just. Sacrificed forgot. enough brain cells over the years <laughs> that you've forgotten. Yeah, see, Pete's telling me Red I'm River right. Showdown. Yeah, see, I don't. I'm not that stupid. Uh, but I felt like NFL fans were a little more aggressive. Of that all way, states, you would part. think Texas would be the last one to give a shit about changing Texas the name. and I mean, Oklahoma, seriously. right? Seriously, let's be real right. about it. I know. You think Texas would would <laughs> be that sensitive when everyone's walking around with a freaking AR-15? I, oh, I, we better not call it the shootout. I, I, I don't get that one either. I don't get it either, Mike. But all right. So wait, seriously though, maybe like what, what would you put up there? Would the fan base right now that you'd go, ooh, that one? You know, take the Eagles out of it. Who's that next team or two that you think of that's like crazy intense? I mean, the, the 49ers were the first ones that come to mind. And yeah. I'm trying to think of my own experience of the pushback that we get for the things we say. And it just changes. It depends on what I'm saying by way of being critical. You know, a lot of Cardinals fans are upset because I've dared to point out that, number one, they don't seem to be very good right now. Number two, there are issues that have popped up from time to time as it relates to their coach and tampering and some of the things he's said and some of the stuff that's going on with the team and are they tanking this year and that that has sparked some passion and some zeal from Cardinals fans which is kind of good I wasn't sure it was there and now more recently the Jaguars fans are are a little riled up with me because I've oh. dared to point out the obvious that if they don't cough up a billion dollars in taxpayer money to give the Jaguars what they want. The Jaguars have a stadium that's already built that they use once per year in London. God forbid you point out the obvious thing that's going to happen if you don't give the Jaguars what they want. And it reminds me a lot of what was going on a decade ago when I was trying to tell the folks in St. Louis the Rams are going to leave. And, of course, I was the jerk for saying, hey, folks, you better wake up. The Rams are going to leave, and then of course when they left, nobody apologized to me for all the being, being right and saying it and calling that, calling your shot. Right. Well, that doesn't Rams, happen. We know that Rams are going to leave. So Jacksonville fans and Jackson Deville, I guess Jackson Deville would just go to London too, or maybe they'd find a new Jackson Deville over there. I don't know, but but yeah, you don't give them what they want, and we wrote something about it yesterday. They've started this whole political push in Jacksonville to get that billion dollars. It's a $2 billion project between the renovation and an entertainment district. And the Jags are loosely willing to pay 50-50. And they're doing these community huddles where they're going around from sports bar to sports bar to sell the idea that 
that the local taxpayers should call their politicians and say, give the Jaguars a billion dollars. And Shad Khan was there. And this really got buried deep in the story. I mean, it was the headline for us. Shad Khan was there and he took some questions and a reporter said, hey, is there any wiggle room in that 50-50 that you're talking about? And Khan shut him down. Are you negotiating on behalf of the city? We're not answering that question. I mean, come on, man. It just shows you how they are going to do their damnedest to move heaven and earth to get that billion dollars to try to build that renovated stadium in Jacksonville. And I'm telling you, folks, if you don't cough up the billion, they're going to London. I'd be scared of that. I would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and Jacksonville, you know, it, again, like we talked about, the, the Jaguars got some positive things going here. You know, hopefully that city can can keep them and capitalize on what they got going with Doug Peterson and a franchise quarterback and all of that and continue to grow that city around it. That's what I'm hoping for. But, yeah, I think your point's real, Mike. I do. You know, so you got a great feel for, like, the social media internet, you know, fan fan feel and the how emails I they get, are. The I emails I get, right, right. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, the emails. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. I was thinking more of the stadium stuff and all of that. Where I feel like I could narrow it down to that next la- that next group, right? I think if we got into the craziest slash passionate fans, other than the Eagles, I would go Browns, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. I think Pittsburgh Steelers. I'd throw in there, right? Those are four that just that really pop to me. And then I don't know if you guys think there's anybody else I'm missing right now that, you know, again, I, I know they're all passionate, but I'm talking about passionate with a little slash of craziness in there, too. If you think I'm missing anybody else, throw the, please tell me. Hey, hey, I, I, I had that experience in September of 1989 at the Steelers-Vikings game. First time I ever saw the Vikings play. The Steelers were 0-2. By all appearances, they were going to be awful. The Vikings Super Bowl contender. I went to that game in full Vikings regalia, traded up for front row seats, which at Three River Stadium meant you couldn't see anything because you're literally right behind the bench. But when that game went sideways, that was the longest three hours of my <laughs> life to that point. I wanted to dig a hole where I was sitting and emerge like Bugs Bunny on the banks of the Ohio, the Allegheny, or the Monongahela River. I wanted out of there because it's not like I could – I could hi- everything I had on was Vikings. It's not like I could good. take off the hat. That's good. Tuck it away. Uh, yeah. I had the shirt. I had the jacket. Right. I had the hat. Oh, I was ready yeah. to go. Ooh, I mean, yes. It was I horrible. Mean, that's a, that's 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 just like it's easy pickings for the home team crowd right there. You know, there's nothing better when you know there's some jerk a few rows up who was opening his mouth early on in the game wearing the opposing colors. I didn't open my mouth. Okay, all right. Yeah, I did. You probably yeah, opened did. your mouth. You're opening your mouth with how purple your outfit was. That was the problem. Uh, there's nothing better though. I do love that than ragging on you know somebody a little bit as the game goes on. I do that at baseball every now and then. You know, that's where I can become a real fan. And I'm at a Yankees game or whatever. And there's oh, some- wait a minute. I could never <laughs> imagine you being obnoxious, overbearing, and uh. relentless. I could never imagine that. I've never experienced that in a TV studio. Minutes, if not seconds, before we're going to be on the air. I would never guess that you would not yell out something something that right. would be derogatory and or aimed at pissing someone off. Right. No, that's fun, not fun, you. fun derogatory. I don't ever get too serious, but just a little needle here and there so they know, you know, what house they're in. Uh, I, I enjoy that. That's the part of sports that I do love, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. we got a lot of passionate sports fans in our country, that's for sure.
So before we pivot to the reason why we're here, which is to talk about the National Football League for the last time together until we reconvene July 27 when camps open, and this is our usual annual break. Sometimes it's a little longer if they have the Olympics going on. This year it's five weeks. I'll still be at ProFootballTalk.com every day. I'll be doing PFTPM videos. Now that I have high-speed internet router in the ceiling of my office, I could just do it right there. I'll do it every single day. You'll still hear from me. You won't hear from Chris. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Depends on your perspective. But as we separate, as we go our separate ways for five weeks, what, what is your agenda other than smoke weed every night? Well, yeah, that'll be on the agenda nightly for sure. I, I don't have anything like hardcore planned out. You know, as you know, where we live on a farm, you know, we live in a great area, Connecticut, where, hey, the, you know, the Long Island Sound and other beaches are not far away. You know, we'll make a few day trips. My, you know, I got a 17 year old or my daughter will be 17 this Sunday, which I can't believe. And then my, wow. my I know, right. It's, it's and, and and, you know, the social life and things have really started to kick into high gear. And then my son, he plays, you know, travel baseball. So we'll be involved with that really through mid-July. And I have to make a trip up, actually, Mike. So this is one trip that I will take. Cooperstown. He's got to play a little baseball tournament up there in mid-July in Cooperstown. Uh, I've never been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. But, yeah, we might make a little family camping trip out of that a little bit and, uh, you know, watch my son play baseball for a few days. Well, that's good. Well, you'll be busy, and the next thing you know, we'll be back. That's the thing about it. We've done this so many times now that the rhythm, the pattern, it's lather, rinse, repeat. It's like, hey, all right, we got five weeks. Oh, it's four weeks. Oh, it's three weeks. Oh, it's two weeks, and the next thing you know, we're back. But that's fine. I like what we do. I'll miss it. I'll miss it. I hear you. And I'll make the adjustment just long enough that I don't miss it, and then it'll be time to re-embrace it, but I'll be ready to go July 27th. Do you know where we you're taking today, your, we got tomorrow, your beach uh, vacation? You know, you guys uh, usually take a little beach vacation. Undisclosed location. Undisclosed. Undisclosed location. Okay. You're not, what do you mean? You're not sure yet, or you just don't want to say it right now? No. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to tell the world. Okay. I don't want anybody to know where I'm going to be and when I'm going to be gone. So <laughs> even though we do have, we have, we have fully upgraded the camera coverage. It's amazing the stuff that's out there now. We got cameras all around the house. And I, I keep checking them to see if the bear's running around. So uh, we have full and complete security. Booby traps, too, so stay away. <laughs> yeah, uh, no booby traps. But, uh, but not yet, maybe. Maybe coming for the bear. But, uh, yeah, we'll go in uh, July for a week. And um, The bear's great security. Always- Don't get rid of him. He's great security. Jeez, you got cameras, and if some idiot comes on your lawn, maybe the bear will clean them out for you. <laughs> maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should start feeding the bear. Maybe I should try to tame the bear and then train the bear to just go, you know, maul anybody who comes up. The it's hill. not hard to it's not hard to get them to come uh, come to your house on a regular basis. I could tell you that that's something my mom and dad have mastered in northern New Jersey. Right? They have a they have quite the yeah they do. They'll my mom will leave food and things out in the woods or out on the back patio to where she's got the the fox comes up to the house and literally is like where's my four o'clock meal here in the afternoon and he'll sit there like with my huge german shepherd like against the window like rah, 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 let me out and he's like ah oh, screw you you're stuck behind the door i want my food from that woman over there so you you can do that i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing but you can do it <laughs> 
So not bears. You made me think it there's was bears. There's bears, too. Bears. Yes, this there is awesome. bears. No, there's bears, too. There's a there's a black bear that, you know, that comes up, and she leaves a lot of seed everywhere and some other little snacks she has. And, yeah, the bear comes up, and there's a black bear that's, you know, around their house quite often, and they invite it a little seeds? too much. Uh, seeds for bears? It'll eat the bird like seeds. It'll picnic eat- basket. That's how it started. Is, right. Isn't is- that what Yogi Bear was looking for? A picnic basket. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I can't remember. There's a, there's something my mom bring let, uh, puts out there every now and then specifically. But yeah, it, it would. Their first experience with honey? the black bear is coming out Don't there. They want honey. He was standing on the bird feeder, eating the seeds out of the bird feeder, and that's kind of what started him coming up to the house uh, in New Jersey there. And they weren't horrified. They weren't terrified. They're not, like, hey, we got a new pet. Not in my family, yes. You know, we, as you know, we're a little screwed up in the head in the Sims family. So yeah, they were like, oh, he's cute. Look at him. Let's keep feeding him so he comes around. That's that's how my family works. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Pete is typing something from the National Park Service. Do not feed wildlife. Yeah. Feeding animals or allowing them access to human food causes a number of problems. Yeah. Changes behavior by causing wild animals to lose their instinctive fear of humans. This lack of fear causes panhandler or nuisance animals to be more unpredictable and dangerous when they encounter I, humans. So I tried to say Tell this. Phil. Yeah. Tell Diana. Yeah, good luck. Stop feeding the bears <laughs> yeah. and, the foxes, and the foxes and the coyotes <laughs> right. and the wildebeests right. and the lions. <laughs> and the Tigers. Oh, my. All right. Uh, and let's get to the Bills. Let's do it. So this is freaking weird. Whoa. And, well, let, let's just let's just recap before we spin it forward. Okay. Monday, Stephon Diggs shows up for the physical in advance of mandatory minicamp, and he has meetings with the head coach, Sean McDermott, and the GM, Brandon Bean. Then on Tuesday, he's back, and he has meetings. And then, just as practice is ready to begin, he's gone. Sean McDermott meets with reporters and says Diggs isn't there, and he's very concerned. That sparks a flurry of reports and counter-reports and quotes from, for example, Diggs' agent, Adisa Bakari, who told Adam Schefter he's there and he intends to be there for everything, and he will be there for everything. Meanwhile, the Bills said, to me, he was here, and then he left before practice. And then Josh Allen meets with reporters, and it's clear that he's not there, and it's clear that they've got issues they're trying to work through. Right. And so it was all left with this very ominous, how do you solve this? What does he want? Where does it go from here? That switch had been flipped in Stephon Diggs, and he left. Well, apparently they found a way from Tuesday night into Wednesday to take that switch and flip it back, and then to act like... This is where it gets crazy. Yeah. To act like the switch was never flipped in the first place. Here's Sean McDermott from yesterday saying, basically, there's nothing to see here. Let me be clear. Steph did everything that we that he was asked to do. He was here Monday and executed his physical on time. Steph reported yesterday, Tuesday, and uh, reported for meetings, at which time um, we had a good conversation um, great communication, and we got to a point yesterday where I just we just felt like we all needed a break and some space. And so I gave Steph permission uh, to get some space and 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 uh, and head out, and uh, and then picked up those conversations after practice. Um, so let me make it clear: it was it was not Steph leaving unexcused. He was excused by me. Um, and so those conversations uh, have got us to a to what I think and believe is a great spot. Why yesterday at around 11.45 in the morning 
you said very concerned. What what prompted? That's that's what really spun. Yeah. Hey, depending on you, but that's what kind of spun the whole. All right, what's going on here? Why did you use those words? Yeah. Well, this is not your first press conference with me. Whenever a player has something going on or misses for not misses, but he's not here for some reason, I am concerned. That's that's my my sentiment with any player, in particular a player um, as important to us as Steph. And so uh, I get concerned when players miss for reasons off the field, for reasons on the field, whether it be uh, they're injured or whatever it is. Um, that's just how I am. Those conversations are, are healthy, and I don't think you ever say that's a hard stop, right? So you're always, always talking, always working through things schematically um, or whatever it is. I mean, you just, those, are, those are good things. Uh, just one more kind of... And then I'll let it go. But uh, like everything, I guess it's a process, right? Um, it, would you consider this matter resolved at this point, or do you feel like there's still a little ground you need? No, I feel like it's resolved. Yeah, it's resolved for now. And look, this is why I'm on Harry Roseman's top five conspiracy theorist list because I just won't accept that. I won't accept that because that's not the truth. No, the I circumstances don't think so. right. suggest it's not the truth. Here's what happened. They knew that everything had gone sideways. They knew that it was a mess. Somebody got through to Stephon Diggs on Tuesday night and said, I'm sorry, you need to grow up. You're 29 years old. You can't just walk out. You're under contract. They're not going to trade you. You either play for them or you play for no one. And here's what it will cost you if you decide you're not going to play for the Bills. Here's how, here's the money you'll have to pay back to the Buffalo Bills if you retire, and they will want every penny of it, Steph. So, so, as my mom used to tell me when I would say I'm mad, rub your ass and get glad. That's what she would say. <laughs> and somebody that had one. that conversation. Somebody had that con- I heard it all the time. Somebody had that conversation with him, and he showed up. And as part of that, they had to come up with something to save face for everyone and to make it look like it was no big deal. And that's what they came up with. They came up with, okay, it was excused. Yeah. It was fine. It wasn't a walkout. It was fine. No, no. I, I, I was concerned. I'm concerned about all my players when they're not here. Come on, Sean. But that's fine, Sean. You did what you had to do. I'll give you a pass. But you know and I know that that was a lie, that that's not the truth, that that's not what happened. But that's what you had to say. You had no other choice because you got Stephon Diggs back into the nest, and and he's going to stay unless you say something that pisses him off and he walks out again. So you got to tiptoe on eggshells. You got to make sure everything's okay. But this whole idea, because look, I and, and this is as simple as it is, and they were on the record when I asked them on Tuesday for clarification when you got McDermott saying he's not here and I'm very concerned. You got the agent saying he is there and he's going to be there for the entirety of the minicamp. And I asked the Bills what's going on. They said he was here and he left before practice. They didn't say it was excused. Yeah, right. They didn't say if it was excused, that's the time to say it. Don't make a big deal about this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go writing some story on PFT that there's some big issue here. Because he was excused. It was excused. You know, things, we just decided it would make sense to give him the day off. That's all I had to say. But that isn't what happened. And then, on top of all of it, Josh Allen wouldn't be sitting there like he's filming a hostage video trying to explain to everybody yeah. what's going on. Yeah, they put him in a tough spot. Yeah. For the, no, I mean, yeah, clearly. Yeah. So, so, folks, Howie Roseman, anyone else out there that ever asks the question of me, 
why do you always push back? Why are you always trying to go against whatever the narrative is? Because a significant percentage of the time, what they're telling us is not the truth. Yeah. Not because they're congenital liars like the old John Lovitz character, but because they have a strategic reason to tell us something other than the truth because it's in the best interest of the team to tell that lie. Yeah. And this is where the line gets blurred between truth and reality. When is it not okay for football teams to lie through their teeth right. to us? Right. I don't know. Yeah. But they clearly lied to us yesterday in Buffalo. Yeah, I I, I, I hear what you're saying, Mike. I mean, yeah, one, I, I, I'm with you in that I don't think D- Diggs didn't have much wiggle room here. The writing's on the wall. I mean, you're not, you're not, I don't know exactly what his final goal or what he was trying to accomplish or what he's disappointed about, you know, but yeah, to your point, and, and that's where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm with you. I don't, you know, I, there's a point here where, yes, we push back because we like truth. I mean, one, we like truth and we know we're not going to always get the truth, but every now and then we get something where we go, man, don't say that. We're not that, you know, we're not that dumb. We're not that gullible. Like, okay, like, come on. And then, 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 you, then you're like, you're playing me like a fool. And that's where I got to go. No, let's push back here a little bit and unpack this a little. Right. And that's where I think, it, you know, you and I, as much as I got respect for Sean McDermott and the bills they want to do. Yeah. That was damage control yesterday. That's what that was. Hey, you know, like, Hey, yeah, nothing to see here, except we needed a break from each other and how to separate for the day, right? I mean, that that says it all right there, that we need to just get away from each other a little bit. So obviously things got heated in that conversation between coach and GM and Stefan Diggs. What it's about, I don't know. You know, maybe a myriad of things. Money, respect, people not calling him enough, not going to him in clutch moments, whatever. He obviously voiced, voiced that displeasure. And then in that displeasure... Right. That's where McDermott has a press conference not far after that. And he's still heated and emotional about what went on. And, and Mike, I wouldn't even be shocked in some way in the heat of the emotions. He'd probably just say, hey, why don't you just leave the facility for the day? Why don't you, right? And it's like almost like that to where maybe that's where they forgot it was like almost kind of excused. I thought about that with like Stefan Diggs when he put the tweet out, keep telling them lies, big dog, right? Whatever. Yeah. I felt like yeah. that was what that's that was point. maybe about where it was like, man, you told me to go home. I, this wasn't that. But I, again, I don't know. Either way, hey. that was total damage control yesterday. That's for sure. Yeah. And but, but my point, Mike, to what you're saying is why not just – Instead of doing that there, and 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 I'm not. This isn't to McDermott. This is to all coaches. Why can't you just have a little semblance of a hey, you know? Yeah, we had a heated argument yesterday, and there's some things that we had to flush out as a family, and that's what happens between family every now and then. And I think we got it all straightened out. And yeah, there was a little issue. We let some you know calmer waters prevail a little bit or whatever. And now we're back here at work. I, I think you'd be better off doing that than trying to act like, hey, nothing to see here. Nothing happened. Yesterday was totally mis- you know, taken the wrong way. So th- that would be my two cents, Mike. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again. Go for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris. Anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. 
The way McDermott acted yesterday reminded me of the old Seinfeld episode where George Costanza quits his job and then regrets it and shows up on Monday and acts like he never left. <laughs> now, it's yeah. different perspective because that would be more from the Diggs perspective to do that, right. to walk out and say, I quit and show up the next day. But that's how McDermott was acting. Like, I fired the guy yesterday, and now he's back and everything's fine. Right. And, you know, it reminded me, as you were explaining it, of the Bruce Arians-Antonio Brown fiasco when it looked like Brown quit, but then we found out Arians told him, get the F out, get off my sidelines. So there was a chicken and the egg thing there right. as to who really right. caused it to, to reach full boil. And you, I think you're probably absolutely right here. The idea that McDermott was still upset, he's still in the aftermath of the heat of the moment when he says he's very concerned because in his mind, while he's forced to do this damn press conference that he probably didn't want to do right. on Tuesday, he's thinking, this guy's gone and he may never come back. And Chris, I did the math here. When I look at the signing bonus that Stephon Diggs got last year and – how much of it he's received and how much of it he hasn't received and therefore or that that he's earned and how much he hasn't earned he's received all of it right. or at least he's 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 entitled to all of it sometimes they'll they'll pay it out over multiple years you earn it one year at a time so between the signing bonus that he got last year of 21.5 million the option bonus he got this year of 16 million and he hasn't earned a penny of that he would owe them, I think the number is $37 million or something close to that. It would be more than $30 million, $33 million. $33.2 million is the number that I put together that he would owe them if he would retire. So it makes the conversation easier. When Adisa Bakari gets on the phone with Stephon Diggs or, for all I know, goes to meet him in Buffalo and have a face-to-face, -face, look, look, here's how this works. Very simple. It's very simple. You... You play for them or you play for no one because they're not going to trade you. They made that clear. They're not taking that $31 million cap charge next year. Yeah, there's no cap charge this year because it's after June 1. They don't want that dead cap money next year. They want you on the team. They, they paid you with the assumption you'd be on the team. They're not trading you. So you play for them or you play for no one. And yeah. here's what happens if you don't play for anyone. Yeah. You owe them all this money back. And it goes one year at a time, but eventually it's more than $30 million. So... His career ends, and he's got to pay back more than $30 million. So I think he realized, as my mom would tell me when I said, I'm mad, rub your ass and get glad. That financially, you're in a box here because you're not – who's going to want to pay back $30 million? Exactly. Who's got $30 million laying around right. to pay back because they pay it to you. You They take your taxes out, but when you got to pay it back, you got to pay it all back, and then you got to go to the IRS and say, can I have my taxes back, please? It's a big, ugly mess. Nobody wants to do that. And I think somebody convinced Stephon Diggs, you you gotta you gotta find a way to meet this team in the middle because you're 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 in the corner here. You got no way out of this. Yeah, no, I, I think you know that's the exact reality of the situation. That Diggs Diggs realized there's there's no wiggle room here with anything, right? I mean, I think there's some thoughts out there that you know maybe he was trying to set up a trade this off season, right? Something like that, but. Yeah, to what your point was that 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 wasn't happening. You know, the Bills are invested in him. They're in the Super Bowl window. You know, they're they're not going to trade their best receiver and their best offensive player and one of the best players on their team other than Josh Allen. 
to anybody and not with that financial investment. And then what we said with Diggs, too, is, you know, hopefully Diggs realized, yeah, I'm unhappy about a few things, but, you know, all, all in all, I'm still in a pretty damn good spot here. So, you know, hopefully this, you know, can, can allow both sides to turn the page here. But, yeah, you know, to your point, you know, th- that yesterday was a little bit of, oh, man, I wish we didn't have that press conference the day before on Tuesday and say some of the things that we said. And, and then it was all about, hey, nothing to see here. Everything's good. And of course, yeah, that's not, we're not going to just let that gloss over like some people might. And, you know, um, but we'll see, we'll see how they handle this, where this goes from there. But I think we're all going to be kind of like looking at Stefan Diggs now going, Ooh, is he going to stay happy? Is there going to be one thing that triggers him? And, you know, how will this play out as the season goes along? And, you know, something I've been saying about the bills for the past couple of years, when you have Josh Allen, when you're on the porch, but you can't kick the door open to the Super Bowl, then you're seeing Patrick Mahomes go three times, Joe Burrow go. It creates more and more pressure on the organization to deliver. This is not going to reduce the pressure on the head coach. Not at all. How this goes in 2023 with Stephon Diggs and the Bills, because what this episode becomes, if your ownership and you're watching this and paying attention to this, what this becomes is a black mark on Stephon, on on Sean McDermott. Now, it doesn't help Stephon Diggs long-term with his relationship with the team, but again, they have him under contract. But this hurts McDermott. This is the negative on his permanent record. If he has a report card, this isn't good. In addition to failing to get to the Super Bowl, failing to get to the AFC Championship two straight years, this is one where he didn't handle this way. Oh, yeah, that's why you squash it. And when it's time to make a decision, when it's time to make a decision about who your coach is going to be and they're sitting in the room and they're talking through the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minuses and the good and the bad, this is part of the bad for Sean McDermott. Whoever is in the we-need-to-make-a-coaching-change camp is going to get a lot of fuel from the way McDermott handled those two days in June. Yeah. There's no denying yeah. that. And yeah. I'm sorry, Sean, for speaking the truth here, but that's the truth. You are under increased pressure now because of whatever happened with you and Stephon Diggs on Tuesday and how you clumsily tried to brush it under the rug on Wednesday. There's more pressure on McDermott now than there was before this all happened. And at the end of the day, Chris, what they may have to do, because I feel like whatever comes out of this is temporary. It's temporary. It's for one year. Let's see how this year goes. And then Stephon Diggs, after this season ends, he'll either be happy or he won't be. And if he's not... Maybe the only way we're ever going to make this guy happy is to go out and get an offensive head coach, a head coach that he will embrace, that will excite him and rejuvenate him, and we don't have to go through this again, at least for a couple more years, of does he want to be here or not. And, yeah. and, and again, that, that's the bet they made when they traded for him. They knew they were running the risk they were going to have a guy who's disgruntled at some point. And, and he was, and now he isn't. But the potential is always there for him to become disgruntled again. There's never going to be a permanent fix here unless they are in the Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, high-level contender every single year. Whatever his concerns are from an offensive standpoint are addressed, whatever it is, this isn't going to go away. And there's only a chance now it's going to get worse if the team doesn't live up to. The expectations that aren't as high this year as they no, were last year, but they're still right. pretty damn yeah, high. Yeah, they're still high. You know, they, 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 they are. When you have that quarterback and that receiver, like you talked about, the expectations are high no matter what. 
And then McDermott, we can, you know, we know he's a great defensive coach too. So we don't expect that defense to fall off, right? But he's going to yeah. run the defense this year. Though. I know. Yeah. Leslie Frazier was a scapegoat. Yeah. He's the guy that got thrown overboard in a very clumsy and artful way that they made <laughs> us think he's walking away on his own. Right. And as time goes by, it's like it's I mean, not really because really, he's a, looking for another job, kind of right? A, yeah. Yeah, right. right. So, right. I, I so mean, McDermott's got that on his plate now, too. He's got to call the defense, he's got to run the team, and he's got to constantly worry about what's going to set Stephon Diggs off again. Yeah. And I, I better do well this year with Aaron Rodgers in the division, and here comes DeAndre Hopkins now maybe to the Patriots, and the Dolphins are great. Good Lord. Yeah, no, there, there's pressure. There's expectations, definitely. But, that you know, to 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 what you're saying, that that's – Hey, McDermott built that. I think that's what he wants. I mean, you know, again, he he wants to be in this situation where they're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, do they want to kick the door down like you're saying and win the Super Bowl? Of course, or get there, definitely, right? Uh, so, so yes, and, and 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 like I agree with you. The last two days, they're not a good look on McDermott. It's it's not the best for him, and I think that's why you know instead of making this a big thing, they tried to kind of put the toothpaste back in the bottle yesterday, and and you know not make it look like hey, there's some some issues here with our organization, but yeah, the, those issues and what we saw over the last two days, yeah, they're gonna fall back on McDermott and and all our minds and eyes and whatever else, and he's probably gonna wish he didn't say some of those things at the Tuesday press conference. That's why you know some coaches just don't even go down that road with stuff like that sometimes because they don't want to be boxed into a corner to where maybe maybe they say something now things look a little weird and we question them even more right but um, yeah they're gonna feel the pressure up there of course they are right now he's feeling the pressure from where they are Josh Allen is probably feeling the pressure more than anybody you know, it's not only Mahomes, and now it's Burrow, and he's gone to a Super Bowl, and he's got Josh Allen's number. So they're all feeling it. But what I will say to defend them is nobody really gave a shit about the Buffalo Bills until Sean McDermott and the Buffalo and Josh Allen got there. Oh, and that's right. where oh, I always no, say, right. you know, don't abandon ship too quickly, and other options out there are not always better. They got a good thing going here. And, you know, hopefully ownership and everybody can can realize that some mistakes happen every now and then. But this year yeah, it's big. is that accelerator on the relationship. This year either cements it or or destroys it. And and look Well, so wait, so I what do you think here? Again. What do you think here? Let's let's talk about this. Like, do you think if right. they go to the playoffs that they would actually think about letting like firing Sean McDermott after that if they don't, you know, get to the Super Bowl and in, in the AFC right now? Well, let me start with the possibility they don't make the playoffs at all. Because okay. I still believe there's a good chance that only one team is getting out of the AFC East when you consider they all play the four teams of the NFC West. They all play the four teams of the NFC East. That's eight games on a seventeen game schedule. And they have the round robin home and home in their division. That's six more games. Yeah. I mean, hell, that's 14 out of 17 14 games. 14 tough ones. Against pretty good competition, and you're going to be compared, if you don't win the division, with teams from other divisions that haven't had that same experience. Sure. So it's going to be harder for the second-place team to get in. So if the Dolphins win the division and the Bills don't make the playoffs, Chris, okay, let's just start there. Bills fail to make the playoffs. It's done for McDermott. It's done. It's over. It's kaput, I believe. Now they get to the playoffs. Playoffs. Let's say they they 
they lose in the wild card round, I'd say pretty good chance it's time for a change in Buffalo. The real question is if they get to the divisional round again, three straight years, divisional round, three straight years, don't get past the divisional round, then what do you do? Now, I remember Steve Mariucci got fired after losing in the divisional round 20 years ago by the 49ers. And John Fox got fired a decade ago, losing in the divisional round, a year after going to the Super Bowl with the Broncos. He got fired by John Elway in Denver. So I think that that's really the spot where let's see how it all falls apart. Let's see how they lose in the divisional round. Let's see how Stephon Diggs seems to be reacting to the loss in the divisional round. Does he come out with a full-throated defense of Sean McDermott? He needs to be back. He's my guy, whatever the case may be. That, that's where I think it gets into a very gray area for McDermott, that if they get to the divisional round and they lose again. If they get to the conference championship, he's probably fine. Super Bowl, obviously fine. Divisional round and lose, that's where I think we kind of sit back and wait for the white smoke or the black smoke or the blue and red smoke or whatever color smoke it's going to be to come out of the chimney. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, nothing would shock me. It, it, it's 2023. The world is as cutthroat as ever. I, I, you know, I, I'd, I, I'd have a hard time letting them go no matter what. I mean, no matter what. For the results you've gotten from Sean McDermott since, his, since he's gotten there, you know, I know we all want Super Bowls, but they, they're, they're not that easy. They don't grow on trees. And, and I mean, it, he's gotten there, and the, it's playoffs every year. It's, it's other than the first two years, it's like Super Bowl contender. And, yeah, they did make an AFC championship game, certainly, and, and should have beat the Chiefs on, a, on another divisional game, and they kind of messed that situation up. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but, you know, that's where I would just be careful if I was the Buffalo Bills of letting those thoughts creep in. And then to where, like, if they go to the playoffs and let him go, I think that would be crazy. And here's another where I just would give wiggle room to where if they don't go to the playoffs. The AFC, as we've talked about, is it's the best we've ever seen it. The AFC East might be the best we've ever seen it. Like, th- this could be a year where we see some teams that are like 10 and 7 or 9 and, you know, 10 and 7, and you might not get in the playoffs. It, it, could, it could be that way. And, you know, if that was the case, if they were 10 and 7 and 9 and 8 and just missed, uh, I still wouldn't abandon chip on what they've done up there and what they're doing up there. I still think it's one of the better coach teams in football, and it's, it's a good culture. This is really the first time in the whole McDermott era that we're talking about any schism or issue with any player or anything on the team. And I think that, you know, says a lot, too, about what he's doing up there. Okay, so... When you repeatedly say that the Bills expect Josh Allen to do everything and they don't have enough help around him, and I feel like we've had this conversation not long ago, but it's relevant now. Yeah. Given what you've said about McDermott, you have concerns about how the roster is constructed or how the offense is designed or whatever it is. It's too much on Josh Allen. Yeah. Who is to blame for that? Who would you put the blame on? But, well, I, I think if, you know, again, there, that, that's where you get into the evaluation process of players. And then I don't know who has total power control between McDermott and Brandon Bean, right? I, I don't know there. 
But yeah, if there was one thing I would look at again, and this is where it's like, this is crazy. I, there's a part of me that I just go, this is crazy. We're talking about this. We're talking about a team that's been like top two or three seed, you know, the last few years, right? But at the same time, but Chris, they could be better. I know, but they could be better. So that's you know what my that's answer the is. The, the talent on the field is the thing that has been missing. They're just a a, a player or two, blue chip players, like we've talked about. You know, the meat and potatoes and everything are good. But it's like we talked about with when they lost compared to the Bengals and some of the other top teams and, you know, the Chiefs and the Niners and the Eagles. They're missing a few of those big-time difference makers that those teams have that they don't. And I think that's where I look at it to go McDermott, hey, front office, whatever. That's where I wish they would improve things just a little up there in Buffalo. See, and and now look, now look, this is difficult for people in our job because we interact with these folks. They get sensitive as they should. I have so much respect for these guys. That's where it's hard. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But our duty is to the audience. Yep. As I say time and again. I know. And if I was a Bills fan, I'd want to blow it all up right now. I'd want to get rid of all of them and start over again. While I have Josh Allen, there's something that has been missing whether it's talent or the utilization of the talent, I would want to blow it all up. I'd want to go get Ben Johnson from the Lions or whoever the A-list offensive coach is. I'd regret that we didn't do it when we could have had Sean Payton to coach Josh Allen for the balance of his career. But I would want to make massive changes while we still have Josh Allen and let's get an offensive head coach. Nothing against defensive head coaches. I would want for Josh Allen, a guy who... When we figure out how to properly use him, I don't have to worry about him becoming the head coach of the Giants. I've still got him. He's not leaving. He's going to be joined at the hip with Josh Allen for the balance of his career. And we're going to do everything we have to do to fulfill our obligation to the fans that we've gotten this guy who's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Now we got to get the results. If I was a Bills fan, I would be clamoring. And see, this is where... There's a conflict, I think, between circling the wagons and defending your own, but also recognizing, man, that asshole Florio is making some good points here. We're not as good as we need to be. We're not achieving what we need to achieve. And this is big boy business here. This is why they get that money, because of the possibility that it's all going to be gone if you don't, you know, it's a, it's a zero-sum game. Every good team, there's a bad team. Every winner, there's a loser. And the losers want to get better. And, the t- and sometimes the teams that want to get better aren't losers. Sometimes the organization says, man, we got this generational talent at quarterback and we can't get to where we want to be. I mean, if Marv Levy wasn't getting the Bills to the Super Bowl every year, every year with Jim Kelly and Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas, I'd be saying the same thing. What the hell's going on here? You got this great offensive talent and you can't get to the Super Bowl? They could, four straight years, which is one of the most impressive accomplishments in NFL history to keep going back to the Super Bowl, even though you keep get, getting beat every year there. But, but yeah, you've got and, – and they don't even have anything close to what the Bills of the 90s had, but they have Josh Allen. Where is your Thurman Thomas? You've got your Andre Reid. Where's your Thurman Thomas, right? That's one of the things. We just, we just kind of numb to it that they don't have. And maybe they do in James Cook. I don't know. Maybe he's going to become that. So, Chris, that's my point. Yes, they've been better than they were in the 20 years between the tail end of the K-Gun offense era and getting Josh Allen. Because it was a long, empty, woeful road for the Bills. But, again, this is the whole just good enough or do you want to be great? 
Is it enough to be in the playoffs every year? If it is, fine. But if I'm a Bills fan, I'm saying, man, how many more years does Josh have left? Ten? How many years does he have left when he can play like he's currently playing now? Five? We got some work to do to get to where we want to be. And either the guys who we currently have on the payroll are going to get the work done now, or we got to be thinking about other people. You know, well, it's that yeah. simple. I, you know, I, I know, but, but I would say that that's where I just say be careful of that. That's what, that's what I would say. You know, like you said, you know, after Marv Levy, they fell into who the hell are the Buffalo Bills for like 25 years. Oh, they still play football? That's what I just said. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. That's where I just, you know, I know we all want Super Bowls and all that. And, yeah, you know, hey, listen, that Bills team, that was a special orchestrated team. You know, we could sit there and praise Marv Levy or we, but you know, there's people in football that would tell you, Hey, that was like the most talented team in football and they couldn't win a Super Bowl, Right. So there was issues there. There's just, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's professional football. It's, it's the, the margin of error is like minute. And, and I go to McDermott and go, man, he's been the head coach since 2017, 2018 is the only year they didn't go to the playoffs. And we're talking about. 13 and 3, 11 and 6, 13 and 3, 10 and 6, you know, another 9 and 7 year that got in the playoffs. I, hear it. I, I, I know. It. I got it. So that's you. where I just would. Let me ask you one more question. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Let me ask you one more question. Yeah. Because we say this from time to time because, look, there's a segment of the Steeler fan base that the minute the Steelers lose two or three games in a row, they want to fire Mike Tomlin. Uh huh. And we've said time and again, if Mike Tomlin would ever be fired, there would be teams out there, not just teams. Currently looking for coaches. Yeah. There would be teams that aren't looking for coaches who would fire their coaches if they thought they could get Mike Tomlin. Yeah. If if Sean McDermott were fired the day after the regular season, let's say they don't make it to the playoffs. Yeah. And he's fired that yeah. night or the next day. I think he's going to be a, a pretty. For Sean McDermott? I, Beep. Yeah. No, I don't know really? if it's like Mike Tomlin. I don't know if it's like Mike Tomlin. Right. But I think right. he's definitely going to point. He's, I mean, I, I hear you. I mean, Mike Tomlin won a Super Bowl. He's been to another Super Bowl. You know, McDermott's not quite of that status yet. But I do think McDermott would be like, I, I don't think he'd be on the street long. I don't. You know, for what he's done and what he's orchestrated there. You think there. he gets a head coaching job right away. You think he does that fired in one place and gets hired by one of the places that has a vacancy. I, I mean, would say. It happened for Ron Rivera. I know. I, I you know. Y- I, I, I would say yes. I would say yes. And if it didn't happen right away, it's like, oh, okay, he's a year out of football, and then he's back in as a head coach the next year. That's what I would say. You know, Again, when we talk about, yeah, I, I think it's from, from top to bottom, there's a lot of good of what McDermott has, has done and, and done for that football team. It's just they haven't won the and, Super Bowl and yet. Look, and, I, and I apologize, Sean. We're focusing on you because you're the one that, that got sent out there with this clumsy, ill-advised message yesterday to act like everything's fine and there was no big deal and what's everybody looking at, you know? Um, the front office is an issue, too. And, and, and again, I'm not, I don't have any animosity toward Brandon Bean. I've interviewed him in the past. I have a feeling I'm not going to be interviewing him anytime soon. But to your point, it's a talent issue around the quarterback. If anyone's to blame between coaching staff and front office, right now the blame would be on the front office for not putting enough around Josh Allen, period, full stop. But McDermott has kind of edged into the spotlight now with this whole digs thing over the past couple sure, of days. Sure, sure. So, so, you know, it. I, I like it when the GM and the head coach are, are joined at the hip like yep. the coach and the quarterback should be right. because you don't want a scenario where the coach is blaming the GM and the GM is blaming the head coach. But if we're going to apportion blame, I would have said before Tuesday, Wednesday, 
the bulk of it goes with the front office. But now McDermott is creeping into the spotlight of scrutiny that is going to make this year make or break for him in in many respects, for him and for the front office. It could be just clean sweep when this year's over. Yeah, I, again, I, I hope not. I hope not, you know, for, for what they're doing. But but I, I hear your point, and I know. And, and to your point, th- this for sure is the most pressurized year for the Buffalo Bills organization. We had expectations other years, but, yeah, this is more of like, whoa, the division, the conference, we expect you, you're in a window, is it closing, and now you got a little issue with a player and all that where I would certainly say the spotlight's going to be on them, you know, more organizationally-wise as far as coaches and front office than, than in recent history, that's for sure. Pete has told me to break at least five times in the last ten minutes. Pete, (laughs) I apologize. But, see, here's the thing. After tomorrow, and I don't know if Pete's producing the show tomorrow, this may be the last day he has to deal with us for five weeks. He'll get over it by the time (laughs) late July rolls around. Let's take a break. When we return, the Green Bay Packers rallying around Jordan Love and Kirk Cousins with a couple of interesting things that he said yesterday to reporters. More PFT Live right after this.